great big good morning. Wonderful to have you folks joining us here. And from wherever you're joining us, I know, for example, we had a couple of couples joining us the whole way from Ireland today. So it's wonderful to have all of you joining us, being part of our church service this morning. Whether you watch us live or archived, it's just wonderful to have you part of our new church live family. And today we're going to talk about a lot of wonderful things. And, and we want to start with this. We want to start with Happy Father's Day. So, so we want to honor any fathers out there as well as anyone who has served in that role. You know, as I told our nieces and nephews, you just have to call me one thing, which is uncle favorite, like right off the beginning, we'll be good. Uh, you know, anyone who serves that role, we want to honor that today because it's important. And it's beautiful. So happy Father's Day to everyone. And for those of you steeped in new church tradition, Christian new church tradition, happy 19th of June. And for those of you steeped in American history, happy issuing of the Emancipation Proclamation, Juneteenth. So we got a lot going on today. And we got a lot going on in terms of the service. We have a beautiful service ahead that we're going to talk about a, a pretty basic concept. And the idea is this. Do we want to have higher walls or bigger tables? Which one? Do we want to have higher walls or bigger tables? It's interesting, right, when you, when you look at life, and for those of you who need, who need props like me, this is a table, and this is a wall. So tables and walls. It's interesting, I was talking with someone this past week and they were mentioning a survey. And the survey said this. The survey said, yes, people get annoyed by people who are on other sides of issues, you know? And, and I can get annoyed with the best of them, right? We can just do that, right? But they said for most people, for most people, listen to this. The biggest issue is not people having different perspectives. It's polarization. It's the idea that we are so deeply polarized right now that it all becomes sort of this binary game of this side or that side. And so what do we do? We keep on building higher walls. And it's interesting to think about with polarization, like if that becomes our identity, that can be a true challenge. And, and just folks, like imagine in your, in your closest relationships, those people you love the most in the world. What if you were really committed to just building ever higher walls between you and them? How well would that work? Not terribly well. It doesn't work well at a personal level. It certainly doesn't work well at a community level. And it doesn't work well in terms of how we hold our identity. You know, because then our identity becomes which side of the wall we're on. Our identity does not become, we're in this together. And that, yep, hard conversations need to be had, challenges are there, et cetera, et cetera, but that we're in it together. It was interesting, I was, I was listening to a, to a podcast and they, were, they had this beautiful quote and they, they used, they were quoting about what did the word decadence mean to this one ancient philosopher? And he said, decadence is simply this, when we lose track of the whole when we lose track of the whole. It's so easy to do. And maybe today we can talk about a different message where it's all about a table. And here's a real tiny table. But how do we build ever larger tables? It's interesting. No one ever builds a wall and says, hey, pull up a chair and enjoy my wall. But today we're going to talk about pulling up a chair and enjoying a table that grows and grows and grows and grows. That's what the Christian message really at its very core is all about. That's so much the need that it is attempting to address. The need to feel a sense of belonging and service or belonging and purpose, whatever words you might use. Now folks, it's not that the table is perfect. It's not that the table is perfect. As we often do here at New Church Live, for those of you joining us for the first time, we text a lot during church. And this week, we're going to take a look at this question. And it's a, it's a great question. And, and I'll share with you a funny answer here in a minute as, soon as I pull it up. It's, it's the question, what is one thing you can count on happening at the dinner table? So you gather a group, a family together. What can you absolutely count on happening? 
Now, let me give you an example here. This was written in from Deborah over in New Jersey, answering this question. With two little boys at the dinner table, wouldn't it wouldn't be complete without some digestive release and lots of laughs? Now, I've never heard the phrase digestive release before. But I think, I think those of us who've had little boys around the table know what we're talking about there. And, and that's, that's fun, folks, right? That, that's part of the table, too. I mean, I know today we're, we're having our kids, and I know there'll come a moment. They love each other, and they also have a way to drive each other absolutely crazy. And ready for this? They're in their 20s and 30s. So what's that for you? Like when you, when you gather a large family table or a large friend table, what is it that you can count on happening? And what you can do, folks, is you can text an answer into me or put it in the chat. We have a number of chats going on different online platforms. And you're welcome as well to shoot me a text. And my phone number is 215, you'll see it in the bottom left of your screen there, 215-740-3662. That's 215 215- 7403662 because where we want to get folks is we want to get to the point where we see the beauty of the larger table and we really we, we don't just see it and observe it and go like oh that's a good thing but we do our bet we take on our responsibility as best we can to be part of that building part of that creation part of that learning to be with I love the way Rachel Held Evans said it. She has this beautiful line. We've, we've used this quote in here before because it's so beautiful. The gospel does not need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners. And I love that idea, family of sinners. Like, folks, we're all difficult to live, live with. Newsflash, right? We're all challenging. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors and shouting, welcome, there's bread and wine. Come eat with us and talk. And this last line, folks, so powerful. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. And it is. It was, it was interesting, you know, last week was the first time since, since COVID struck that, I, that I'd had a chance to come down to St. Francis Inn with the team and in the background there. And then folks, that's, you know, anytime you do that, it's so powerful. It's so powerful when, when, you're, when you're serving other people, when food is part of it. That's the table. That's the table. And that's what we're trying to expand. We're trying to find ways to make tables that are ever bigger. We're not trying to make walls that are ever higher. So thank you folks for being with us today. We have a wonderful service ahead for you as we sort of parse that out. And we also have wonderful music for you today with my dear friend, Ashley. So folks, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning. I've walked these streets, virtual stage, it seemed to me. Makeup on their faces, actors took their places next to me. Love walked these streets in a carnival of sights to see. All the cheap thrill seekers, vendors and the dealers, they crowded around me. Have I been blind? Have I been lost inside myself and my own mind? Hypnotized, mesmerized by what my eyes have seen. I've walked these streets in a spectacle of wealth and poverty. In the diamond market, the scarlet welcome carpet that they just rolled out for me. And I've walked these streets 
house asylum they can be. Worldwide, I miss the prophet on the Sabbath island, stopped and he raved of saving me. Have I been blind? Have I been lost inside myself and my own mind? Hypnotized, mesmerized by what my eyes have seen. Have I been wrong? Have I been wise to shut my eyes and play along? Hypnotized, paralyzed. By what my eyes have found By what my eyes have seen What they have seen Have I been blind? Have I been lost? Have I been wrong? Have I been wise? Have I been strong? Have I been hypnotized, mesmerized by what my eyes have found? In that great street carnival, have I been blind? Have I been lost? Have I been wrong? Have I been wise? Have I been strong? Have I been hypnotized, mesmerized by what my eyes have found? By what my eyes have seen? In that great street carnival that carnival. <laughs> Excellent job, Ashley. You have to ask her about climbing a ladder this morning after church, by the way, just for fun. So folks, wonderful again to see you here today. And, and today we're, we're really going to look at that building a bigger table. And, and I love that song that Ashley picked, right? It's this, that's how we've been blind. Yeah, we can be blinded. I think walls can blind us because literally walls keep us from seeing other people. And, and it doesn't mean that the table's always perfect. The table's not. The table has lots of beautiful parts to it. You know, got a bunch of text messages we'll be looking at a little bit later. And, and a lot of it's really beautiful stuff. And then other people talking about really challenging stuff. Both are true. Both are true. And maybe that's what makes the table beautiful. Again, not a higher wall, but a bigger table. So I, I want to sort of come at this a little um, elliptically. I don't know if I'm using that correctly, but, but sometimes like here's New Jersey, here we are in Pennsylvania, and sometimes it's fun to go out here to Ohio for a second and then come back. And, and the way I want to start, it was a beautiful, beautiful sermon by Reverend Samuel Wells, one of my favorite pastors out there. And he talked about this. He said, what is our biggest problem in life? And he set it up in a way I hadn't heard it set up before. He said, is the problem mortality or is it isolation? That's a great question, something to think about. Now, now it's interesting when we look at that, you know, in terms of, of mortality, like you think about how much work is done in our, in our society, how many dollars are spent, how much effort, good effort, really good effort to extend people's lives. It's really important. It's a beautiful thing. And then sometimes, you know, this is my little editorial comment, sometimes it's just like, oh, that feels like it goes a little too far, like when somebody cryogenically freezes themselves so they can be thawed out in a thousand years when they get a, like, that's not for me. Do not cryogenically freeze me. You know, like, can I go off for a little silly aside? So, 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 you know, I like going to auctions on my day off, and, and somebody had, had gotten their, their, you know, a family animal, like, stuffed for their living room back in the 1800s. I thought, that will not be the Blair household. 
You know, and, and, which is like we can't, we have such a hard time with mortality. We have such a hard time with it in our culture. It's been said over and over again. Isn't this interesting? Churches today would never think about building a graveyard right outside the front doors of the church. Think about that. That was a given 150 years ago. Not today. Today it's parking lot. There's something interesting to think about. So, so folks, that, that mortality and that, that, that mortality, that mortality orientation has a lot of good stuff to it, right? Like, um, if, if I get diagnosed with a serious disease, I want a doctor who believes my mortality is the biggest problem right there, you know? So it does have its place. I want to say that. It has its place, and it also has its limitations, because with mortality, I know for me, it, when I have health things or whatever, I want to find the best expert I can. Now, isn't it interesting? That expert may never have experienced that thing. You know, if I have a heart attack, that doesn't mean I'm going to go pick the doctor who had the most heart attacks. <laughs> I'm going to pick the doctor who's the best expert. And that kind of separates a little bit. Doesn't mean it's bad. We need to have those people. And so much of the work of church is not the work of extending mortality. It's this working on the problem of isolation. Now, now how, much, how much folks, I mean, just imagine we put the same effort into combating the problem of isolation as we do combating the problem of mortality. Now, I want to say this really carefully. Imagine someone who's like, they, they just want to extend their life, so they're, they're, just, they're not going to engage in community because they're always going to the gym. Now, nothing wrong with always going to the gym. Lord knows I should go to the gym far more than I do. And if that becomes its own obsession, we're going to miss out on trying to be part of this solution around isolation. Part of that solution around isolation, bigger tables. Bigger tables, not higher walls. So mortality is this search for experts. Isolation is this search for kinship. And that creates this with. And this is, this is, a, this is a real important little word difference here. And I, I want to be careful. Again, I really, this is one of those services where I definitely don't want to overplay some, one side or the other. I want to treat it as a both and. There is doing something for people, really important. And there's doing something with people. Both are deserving of our attention. Both are deserving of our best efforts. And we need to understand sometimes and that, that if we confuse those two, and we think just because we're doing something for someone means we're doing something with someone, we might miss something. Now, now, let's take an example. Imagine a relationship that's somewhat strained. I love this New Yorker cartoon here. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's a New Yorker cartoon. It's a husband and wife sitting together, and the caption reads, I can't tell. Are you yoga breathing or are you seething? I like that, right? A relationship that's a challenge. And here's, here's an interesting one, folks, that I've seen happen. It's happened in my life. It's happened in the lives of those I love and those I know. You know, it's, it's real easy to think, well, look at all these things I'm doing for the family, for the kids, for my spouse, for my whoever you're in relationship. Look at all the things I'm doing for you. And now, those things are important. But what if the most significant thing that the person is asking is to do something with them? Do you see the difference? I mean, it's subtle, super subtle. But it's important for us to be clear when people are really asking us to do things with, to do things with. And why is that with, why is that with so powerful? Well, I believe that that with is so powerful because, and this is, this is, this I think is really important, because that with transforms because that with creates fulfillment we'll come back to that 
It was beautiful talking with someone whose, whose relationship has really grown and flowered. And I was asking, well, what does that feel like? And they, 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 didn't, they didn't say, oh, it feels romantic all the time. They said, it feels fulfilling. Like that we're with each other on this journey. That's rare. As somebody who works all the time in that particular arena, that's rare. And it's beautiful when you see it. For people like that, yeah, they're getting a table going. And then the job is, again, how do you build it more and more and more? I think that idea of with is so powerful because it mirrors what God is attempting to do. I mean, if we just look at it just from the simple idea of the incarnation, which is the fancy word you had God up here and he came down here. Jesus was sandals on. God was sandals on. He was incarnated. Flesh and blood. I mean, what else is that but with? I think how powerful that is. Like, literally, there's billions of people a day, today, in churches all across the world, celebrating God with us. Now, I'm going to read something, and then we'll look at a slide here. It's interesting how many times in the Bible it starts that way. So those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, there's, there's what's called the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were written right after the death, right, excuse me, right after the death of Jesus. They were written, they were about his life. Four Gospels. If you think of them as north, south, east, and west, they don't all agree. They're all giving their own perspective, but it allows us to see kind of Jesus in the round. See how different people experienced him. And and this is how the Gospel of John, my personal favorite Gospel, this is how it begins. In the beginning was the Word, and they're talking about Logos there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That beautiful bit of, of like the, the word with, with us, like, like here it's with us. And it goes on, Mark has the same thing in the famous speech to Joseph. So, so Jesus was, was, was born, Mary, Mary gave birth to Jesus. Jesus' earthly father was this guy by the name of Joseph. A man, an angel comes to tell Joseph about this, and this is what, this is what the line is. Mary will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to say those last three words, and I'm going to point to you folks here, and I want you to say the with. God with us. God with us. That's profoundly radical. Profoundly revolutionary. You think about what all that meant, you know, you know, so much of the time, back then we're talking Greek and Roman times, and where you found God was not in your everyday life. No, you found God because you went to a temple that was up on high, Olympia, and you offered a sacrifice there to God to appease a God, but that God never came off of that statue and lived with you, and breathed with you, and cried with you. And washed your feet. I mean, that's a revolutionary view of God right there. And that doesn't, that doesn't change. John, Gospel of John. The story comes to the end, and there's this beautiful thing, the road to Emmaus, Emmaus, Pennsylvania, named after Emmaus in this story. Jesus dies, resurrected, and for these two people, he walks on a journey with them. And they talk about how Jesus was walking with them, how their hearts, I love this phrase, their hearts were strangely warmed. Not a beautiful line. Hearts strangely warmed. And then they discover it's him, he smiles, goes on to the next thing. That's an idea of God with us, like God journeying with us. And of course, to come back to Matthew, this is the promise of Matthew. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That idea of like God saying, yeah, I'm going to be with you through the whole thing. 
folks, that's, those things are so important. Because I think, again, as I noted before, that, that with transforms, with transforms, with transforms couples, it transforms families, and it's why some of the many places that we've worked, and we, we, many of you work in different parts of the country, you know, it's why those things work, those different service projects. You know, when we went down to St. Francis Inn on Tuesday, I could have written a check. And listen, folks, if you're thinking about writing a check to New Church Live or to St. Francis Inn, do it. Like, this isn't about not writing those checks. But if you want the full experience, write the check, serve the meal. Write the check and serve the meal. Be with those people. That is what will transform your life. The monetary contribution is incredibly important. Nothing small there, especially as we you know, work towards finishing up our fiscal year here. Nothing small there. But you really will learn about it. You'll, you'll find the transformative nature of faith. Notice the word I said, the transformative nature of faith. When you take it upon yourself, when you take responsibility and accountability to really be with people at this bigger table, and, and that looks different, folks, for, for so many people. It's not all going to look the same for all of us. Some people, do, that just isn't what appeals to them. But I know you can find it. I know it's out there. You just think about the impact. Imagine, imagine you had a friend, you know, a dear friend, and you were looking at how to help them. And, and of course, there were things you could do for them, and this was... This was a friend who wanted to keep in shape, but this is what they really wanted. With transforms and what they really wanted, this picture, this is what they really wanted. Somebody to be with them. Somebody to be with them. I think, folks, it's, it's interesting, you know, as a, as a pastor in this day and age, this is very much sort of a, a contemporary comment here. We have a lot of people connected with New Church Live who are different parts of the medical profession. And some are doctors, some are nurse practitioners, some are this, some are that, nurses and paramedics, just a lot of people in the medical field. No doubt a lot of you right here today are in the medical field somehow. And it was interesting talking to, to a doctor near and dear to our family, and, and, and he had decided he needed to move out of his practice. He had that where, where there was this consistent thing of like, all right, you're seeing, I'm going to make up numbers here. I don't know where these are the real numbers. You know, we want you to see 15 patients uh, an hour. You know, now we want it to be 16. So the, like the number just kept on increasing. Because he felt more and more like he was just a cog in a wheel where all he was doing was things for people. He was not actually being with people. You see the difference? Big difference there. My personal story, our, our, our family grew up, it's a, it's a weird combination, probably the only place in the country where these two were married together. My grandfather started, uh, my grandfather bought a farm, started farming. My grandmother started a nursing home on the farm because that's what you do, right? And, uh, and, and it was, so I grew up around this farm slash nursing home, so sometimes I'll reference a farm, sometimes I'll re uh, reference the nursing home business. And, and I was thinking about it today, like, if, if, you know, my parents are getting older, much older, you know, and, and what if I put them in a nursing home? Me and my siblings could find a nursing home where everything was done for them. Everything. There was this checklist, and they just went down through, everything was done for them. I, I hope we can find a place like that. If that time ever comes, it might not. But you know what would matter the most to me? That somebody would take the time to be with them. Because they're beautiful souls. The for stuff is important. The with stuff matters. The with stuff matters. 
And when, when I hear people talk about, you know, in the medical field or whatever, burning out, I mean, I think that's what it is, is that just being asked to do more, four, 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 without having the time to be with, and there's something, it's, it's not just a good idea, it's how you are made. Do you get it? You know, you are made to be with people. Now, of course, some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, totally get that. But I've never met anyone who was like, you know, solitary confinement for the rest of my life is a good idea. Said no one. That, that with matters deeply. Now, a, a little aside here, folks, is, is this idea, you know, the, the, the four can actually be addictive. We can just, I, I think you know what that's like, I, I would imagine. You know, we're just going around like, you know, kind of like, like rapid fire doing things for people, for people, for people, for people. I know a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, after church, we oftentimes just mix, have a few little snacks, chat it up after church. And again, if you're from out of town, please join us sometime in person. Join our studio audience here. And, and you know, what can happen for me, and I, I, it's, it's not good, right? I can get so into sort of this rapid fire, like da 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 that I, that I come out of it feeling like I never actually talked to anyone. <laughs> I just sort of shook hands, smiled, moved right to the next person. I wasn't actually with anyone. I think we need friends in our lives who, who remind us to be with other people because that four can become like its own sort of sugar high, where we're just going rapid fire. We're not taking the time to, to pull back. I was talking to a dear doctor friend of mine I went to high school with. And he said, you know, he's really learned what he has to do is he has to give the patient he's seeing the first five minutes to tell him whatever it is they need to tell him. That's good. And he said, a lot of the time, Chuck, what they give me over those first five minutes is tears. That's someone who's learned that it's not just for, but that it's actually with. I, I, love, this, I love this concept, the Swedenborgian concept of that, that, you know, that we have angels with us, we have love with us, we have all these things with us. All our longings for what is loving and true reach out into heaven. They put us in touch with angels who are feeling the same way and unite us with them. I mean, I love that idea, right, of the, of the better angels of our nature. And, and that ends up being this, this beautiful conspiracy. You know what the word conspiracy means? It means to breathe with. <laughs> That's actually the technical meaning of the word. You know, where we learn to just breathe with. Breathe with the better angels of our nature. And if we do that, I guarantee they're not going to be talking about higher walls. What they're going to be talking about, dear friends, is this. Bigger tables. Out of the sky, I close my 
I just wanted to encourage you all to make a donation. For those of you who don't know, we operate on a fiscal year and we're just making that final push to make our stewardship goal for the year. We have about $40,000 left to raise, which sounds like a lot, but even six weeks ago, we had over $100,000 to raise. So I know we can do this together. Your donations support New Church Live and all the programs and initiatives that we have here. So we hope that you will make a donation by the end of the month and help us reach our fundraising goal. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Angela. And what a, what a beautiful song and, and thought, right? And I, and I love the idea, like, uh, we were talking about the lyrics to that song. Uh, Ashley and I were talking before, and here's just a couple lyrics I want to read for you. You're in control. Now I'm dancing. It's like a dream. No end and no beginning. You're here with me. It's like a dream. Let the choir sing. Folks, can you hear the echoes of a bigger table in that? You know, that, that idea of this, like, okay, God, you got it. You got it. There's a beautiful, empowered surrender there. And when, when we can do that, what happens is that there's beautiful, this beautiful width. The width was always there, right? But it's, but it's God with us, and as we learn to reflect on, not reflect on that, but just allow that into our souls, allow that to sort of hold our hearts, all of a sudden we find new ways to be with other people. And what does it feel like? It feels like dancing. It feels like dancing. It feels like dancing. Now, I loved, I loved many of the responses we had, we had around this idea of, of the table, you know, this idea, this beautiful part of the table and how the table looks and about how it's like a bigger table. And, and beautiful answers from people. And this, it's this beautiful admixture, beautiful set of thoughts. Uh, this is a person writing, you know, he says, me, making a toast, and my wife rolling her eyes at first, yet afterwards saying, that was really nice, babe. That's good. Another one, and, and the context of this, folks, is, is New Church Live. When we travel to different places, we like to gather congregants who, are, who live there, who, who are there. We've done that. In Arizona, we've done that um, down in South Carolina this year, 
and, and we did it up at the Lake Wampapak area, which is the northeastern corner of Pennsylvania, for those of you who are tuning in from different states. And somebody wrote me about the moment where we gathered up there. Chuck, when I think of building a table versus a wall, I think of our gathering in the Poconos last year. We came together as strangers and left with new friendships. Uh, another person write, wrote, we get to smile, filled with gratitude to be together. You can count on an aunt mentioning something about her medical condition that no one wants to hear at dinner. That's a good one. Saying grace together, one of the rare times of joint prayer for our family. I can count on a communal memory or a funny story being shared. And, and many others there, folks. And, and those, those are all examples of, of, again, like the table. And, and again, it's not, it's not that the table's perfect. The, table, the table's beautiful and messy, but it's really good. It's really good. And we get to choose that world. If churches can't choose it, I don't really know who else can. And I'm a church by church, by the way, folks, here at New Church Live. I include synagogues, mosques, like the whole thing. We have to get better at choosing that. We have to learn to live that with. I want to share something with you here. And this is, this is super important. Um, you know, I, this is one just to really let settle into the marrow of your bones. Because I think it's this slight reorientation that's actually transformative incredibly imp and incredibly important. So before saying it, because it's going to come across as super... Like, okay, what's that all about? But there's actually a lot of depth to it. I want us all to just get a big breath. What draws us to with is this. It's shared need, not necessarily shared belief. It's shared need, not necessarily shared belief. Folks, that's lightning. That's capturing lightning in a bottle. That's what Jesus' mission was all about. That's why he hung out with all the different groups. Because it's about what are the needs out there in the world? How do we share around answering those? No longer worried about a wall here. How do we work on answering those? What are the needs we want to address? If we get stuck all in beliefs... Well, that's just going to build a bunch of walls. And it doesn't mean that beliefs aren't important. Of course they are. I mean, even saying it's about need, not belief, is a belief in a certain sense. But just think about that for a minute. What if you really just went out there today, not looking for people who shared your particular beliefs, but instead were curious enough to search out what the similar needs were? And maybe even serve into that. That's a table with some good cooking. <laughs> That's some table with beautiful stuff happening. It's why this crazy little Swedenborgian congregation can go down and serve with these Franciscans. Nobody's caring about belief. What we're doing is we're caring with others about need. said this before, really important. One time, Jesus says, heaven and hell, it's like a courtroom. I believe it's 17 times. He says it's about a banquet. It's about a big old table. Are there times for the courtroom, time for walls? Yeah, of course. But don't make that your modus operandi. Make your modus operandi the table. Make your modus operandi making the table bigger. Don't start the conversation with who you're going to keep out. Start the conversation with who you're going to invite in. What are the needs you share? And serve there. That's the doctrine of use from a Christian New Church perspective. And the whole time you do that, folks,
you know, have fun doing it. I want to give you a little pitch, you know, something we have coming up, a great way to kind of share this table in terms of wonderful conversation is around some of the small groups. We have some really amazing small groups here at New Church Live. One of the ones we have coming up starting the first week in July is Searching for Sunday. Beautiful book by Rachel Held Evans. She's the one, she's the one who gave that, that original quote. We like doing a summer book club. People are on vacation. You can do this from vacation. It's a book. We'll actually send you a free copy of it. We only have a handful of slots left. This group is filled up fast. But if that has any interest to you, and you're thinking about a table and how to, how to join just table flow, just to get a first step in this journey, I'd urge you to go online today and take a look, Searching for Sunday Book Club, and join us if that's where you feel called. So folks, that closes today's service. Think about the difference between for and with. Maybe if you're with someone you love today, ask them, well, honey, do you want me to do something for, for you or do you want me to do something with you? You may get both in. Think as well about that table. Think what that table can be in your life. Think about the significance of table fellowship in Jesus' life. He repeats it over and over again because that's the mission. Bigger tables, not higher walls. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, is now I'm going to offer a prayer, like a prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer. After the prayer, we're going to say the Our Father prayer. After the Our Father prayer, we'll do a, do a little, meditation, little meditative time, and then Ashley will close us out with a beautiful song. And by the way, thank you for being here today, Ashley. Wonderful, <laughs> Wonderful to have you here. So let's get a little breath. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, we got to do this with each other. We only got to hear the lesson, we got to live it. And we got to connect a little bit in ways that are kinder, in ways that are gentler, in ways that are softer. Help us, Lord, to continue to build that world with, knowing that's the world that you showed us, and anything you show us is the model of what you hope we learn to do in this life, a training ground. All of us, angels in training, that simple. Thank you for your presence today. Thank you for the table fellowship we've experienced in the weeks behind. Thank you for the table fellowship we will experience in the weeks ahead. Bless your ways, Lord. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. All of these lines across my face Tell you the story of who I am So many stories of where I've been And how I got to where I am But these stories don't mean anything When you've got no one to tell them to It's true I was made for you I climbed across the mountain tops Swam all across the ocean blue I crossed all the lights and I broke all the 
Thank you. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> 